I'm Sammy Lucas and I'm Romantically Challenged. In the previous episode of this series, I spoke to single mum Kerry Sackville about recently separated and divorced men jumping straight back into dating before they're emotionally available for another relationship. Why do they do it? Is it selfish? Is it just wasting everyone's time? One of my longtime podcast listeners, Mark, is a single dad of three who recently separated after a 17-year relationship. He admits that he started dating pretty much straight away, even though he knew he wasn't ready. He even calls it experimental dating. He has, some might say, bravely agreed to join me to defend the rights of anyone to start dating again whenever they feel like it. If you listen to Kerry's episode, I urge you to listen to this one. It might actually challenge some of your opinions about this topic. Here's Mark. Hi, I'm Mark. I'm a 47-year-old single man, serial friender, and instead of a hopeless romantic, I am a hopeful unromantic. I'm a dad to three amazing kids who constantly leave me awestruck. I enjoy meeting people, car sharing, Uber pooling pre-COVID, getting WhatsApp messages, exploring my environs, cycling, climbing, occasionally running, browsing on apps, and of course, listening to podcasts. I work in financial services. Before embarking on my dating career, I was married for 12 years and mainly in long-term relationships before that. My ideal partner would be patient, independent, basically omnivorous, and an early riser. Dating in my 40s is awkward, fun, complicated, stimulating, lonely, cathartic, COVID-affected, a little bit selfish, and, so far, a journey in self-discovery. Whoever you are, I will like you if you challenge me in moderation. Mark, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I'm so looking forward to this chat. But first of all, I need you to explain to me, what is a hopeful unromantic. I haven't heard that one before. Yeah, I suppose it's easier to define that by thinking about what a hopeless romantic is, because that's the cliche, isn't it? And I think of a hopeless romantic as someone who, without thinking about the consequences, launches into all sorts of romantic affairs, just enjoys it, spur of the moment, completely feels it, doesn't think too much about it, and may may be hurt because that can happen. But, you know, you know those people and you watch them go through romance after romance. Now, I would say I'm just not like that. So unromantic is someone who goes into every date just thinking, okay, well, it might be okay. You never know. And the hopeful part of it is that, and it is paying off a little bit. Each time I try it, I think I'm just a little bit more hopeful that I've progressed just a little bit further. But uh, it's still a work in progress. So basically a hopeful unromantic, another word for that is realistic. <laughs> yeah, I have heard that it's not optimists or pessimists that are the happiest in life, it's realists. So um, I must be really happy. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Um, and we also just have to mention off the bat, I know you've only been separated and dating for, is it about a year now? Yeah, when that's right, just over a year. I- I'm sure you don't have too much trouble with the ladies as soon as they hear that lovely Scottish accent of yours. Yeah, well, um, like all Scottish males, I totally play on the Scottish factor. I do think that Bumble would be a lot better if you could record your voice on it uh, so that some people could get a little bit of an idea. And I hope to make lots of money on that idea right after the recording this podcast. So we'll see how it goes. 
I don't think you need to worry about that because there's a funny thing that happens whenever I interview a man on this podcast, I am inundated with emails from women asking to pass on their information. So be ready for a stream of emails in your inbox. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to that with interest. Um, but uh, my WhatsApp's much more fun because I really do enjoy watching those WhatsApp messages pop up. <laughs> really? What? You get, you get your kicks of a WhatsApp message? I uh, I don't know why, but I'm uh, super addicted to it now. And uh, pretty much yeah, I'm crestfallen every time I pick up my phone and there isn't a little red uh, one, two or three sitting on it. And there's never more than three because I've always checked it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So what kind of dating have you tried in the last 12 months? Obviously, as I started out, I, I was, um, I, I would say, I mean, being really transparent and honest, I was pretty depressed um, as I started onto my dating thing. I was kind of cut loose and feeling quite lonely and quite unsure of myself. So when I started, I, I actually looked at the sites that you would kind of go to or what you might call a hookup site because they were what I considered to be probably suitable for someone who really had no idea what they were doing and didn't want to uh, commit to anybody at all. Funnily enough, though, there and I, I, the reason I mention it is they're really not a place to go. They're, they're not, there's nothing there, right? So it's um, it's probably even lonelier looking at them than it, than it is. Uh, I genuinely felt at the time that I I just had nothing to offer. Um, it's kind of a strange experience, but you know, knowing that you can hardly hold a conversation and you kind of uh, your mind's playing a loop of what's just gone wrong with my life. You know, you're not really in, in what I would call the headspace to try and hold a, a proper conversation with a serious prospect. So that said, you know, that, that initial period of kind of, I suppose, bereavement in some ways passes, I think, quite quickly. Um, so for any, anyone, anyone listening who's, uh, who's in the very first throes of, of a separation, I would say it does pass quite quickly. And you do kind of recover yourself. And if you're resilient at all, you get your identity back relatively quickly. But then you you face this prospect, and you've talked about it on the podcast before, that you still know that you're not really ready for what you call a relationship or a commitment relationship, or you're not really looking for a life partner. So it is, it's a bit of a, a, I wouldn't call it a minefield, it's just, it's a difficult place to start and think, you know, where do I want to go to try and find someone who who is capable of holding a conversation, but probably understands that this is something that may lead nowhere, maybe quite short term or, you know, it's, it's experimental. It's an exploration, right? Because um, you're kind and of I, finding yourself as well as finding other people. I love that you've brought this up early because I know this was something I really wanted to unpack with you. Why do men date when they're not ready? I mean, <laughs> we talked about this in, in my last episode with Kerry Sackville, you know, her whole theory that women over 40 really are at such a disadvantage because most of the men that are out there jump onto dating sites straight away before they've really done the work to process what's happened to them. Her theory is we're all basically dating some other woman's rejects, which I think is such a harsh thing to say. What are your thoughts on that? I think, I mean, everyone's an individual, so I can't really speak for anyone other than myself. And I don't know if what I experienced applies to everyone else in my gender or not. But I think there is, you know, just anecdotally speaking, there, there is a lot of evidence that there's a lot of guys whose relationships have come to an end that they maybe aren't the person that instigated the end of that relationship. And so one of the experiences you have coming out of a relationship that you did not intend to end 
if you like, I can't use a word other than desolation. And there is a bit of self-pity and probably selfishness that comes with that self-pity. But you don't want to spend time basically lying awake at night thinking to yourself about where did it all go wrong. You kind of want to get back out and, and revalidate yourself and think, well, I can't be that bad, can I? You know, I mean, because you, know, you do. I mean, you've said that you've used the word. You feel like a reject. You've, in my case anyway, done your best. It wasn't right. Uh, it's come to an end. And then you kind of think, well, you know, who am I going to talk to about this? As a guy, you might find, if you're anything like me, that a lot of your friends are couples. And a lot of those couples are friends with your ex-wife. And it's not really appropriate to spend a lot of time, you know, talking to them about your problems. So mm-hmm. apart from the other guys who have been either cut loose or know people who have, who are invaluable and very helpful, and I always, always recommend it. It's not a mental health podcast, but I'd always recommend talking because it is really important. This idea that you're also back in the market and you do think about it quite quickly. It's not a thing that you spend a lot of time ruminating on. You think, I mean, wow, I am. I'm really single again. And I could spend time by myself or I could meet some people. And let's face it, uh, any of us who were married for longer than 10 years never experienced Tinder. So what is it? Is it any good? What happens when you go on Tinder? And so you start that. And of course, pretty soon you're swept up in the whole thing and you're checking your messages and checking your connections and doing your swiping and everything else. And uh, it kind of takes over. And I get all of that, but you've got to be wary of the other person, you know, you and do. not leading them on or giving them the wrong impression. And it's no, not absolutely. Yeah, I, I fully agree. And I think, so first of all, you've got to be honest on your profile and not, you know, lie about your age or your height or the fact that you've been separated for months rather than years or, the, you know, pretending you're divorced if you're not yet. Then you've when you start to engage, because, you know, before you date, you're still, you, you do end up messaging for a little while. And I'm always very upfront as well there. And again, when I start my dates, and I used to joke that when I was talking to, you know, male friends of mine, they'd say, oh, you know, how are you doing? What's been happening? And I'd kind of give them the download about my last 12 months or whatever. And they'd go, wow, yeah, it sounds like a difficult time. And I say, well, you know what? You've just experienced a date with me because <laughs> that's what my dates are like. <laughs> and, you know, you go in with your eyes open. And, and if someone wants to date you again after, after having a download like that, then, uh, then I think it's fair. And to be honest, uh, I've described myself as a serial friender. Um, it's true. I, I've ended up on very good terms with everyone I've dated. So I don't think anyone feels at any point that I was dishonest with them or disingenuous or led them to believe something would happen that didn't. But equally, every time a week passes or a month passes, you're kind of experiencing that kind of regrowth of your personality, your individuality, your confidence. And I don't know, I'm kind of of the view that you can't wait for, you know, the five or six years that it's supposed to take to just pass and sit in a room by yourself. You've got to be out there meeting people, finding out how you feel. And the only way to do that is by experimenting and talking to people. And we all do wonder at the, what if the right person is kind of the next person? You don't know. But I think the way you've explained it is is really lovely. It's okay to get out there and start dating again if you are completely honest and if you are vulnerable and if you are very upfront with your dates to say, I am fresh at this, I am new at this, you know, I might make mistakes. Yeah, and I do. I mean, I look obviously when you're looking through um, like a dating app or whatever, you'll see people whose females whose whose profiles say 
don't contact me unless you've had your divorce and you're all settled and you you kind of read it and go, wow, that's harsh. But I do understand it now. (laughs) I do fully understand why someone would say that because there's a lot going on. And until you've kind of extricated yourself, you know, a a 12 year marriage and a a 17 year relationship doesn't end in in a 24 hour period, right? It it kind of ends slowly like a a slow car crash, but um, it's never, it's never as smooth. And I, I don't think anyone who's been through, and I know people who've said, you know, they've had, serious uh, medical conditions or or bereavements but nothing was more stressful for them than the divorce so you know it's kind of Mm. it's in a perspective I'm really interested in something you said to me in an email you sent to me where you said you don't really want to be dating and you're not necessarily dating to find love so the not necessarily dating to find love I get it because there's a lot of people particularly in our age group that are just like I just want some companionship not sure where it's going to go. But why are you dating if you don't even want to be dating? <laughs> yeah, that's a question I have asked myself. I think it's because it's because of the, uh, the numbness that comes with falling out of a relationship. That experience of being alone and kind of alone with your thoughts. Well, do I really have nothing to offer? Like, it's that, it's that kind of experience of you just need to just meeting new people. I mean, I don't just date. I actually actively, as a separated person, find ways of meeting new people in a kind of inconsequential way. So, you know, just social activities that you don't really need to hang around with someone too much, or um, but you can be kind of near them. You know, I'm sure this is why people buy dogs so they can meet in the park and things like that as well. <laughs> the, the, the whole experience of, of choosing to date i mean you do you want to spend time with people and and you know i've I've even described uber pool and things like that it's just it's a nice inconsequential way to meet someone for 15 minutes it might just be 15 minutes you know you you do you agree to meet it's on reasonably even terms you've been upfront about what you were going to do the fantastic thing about dating in your 40s i think is that i've or i tended to gravitate towards people who are quite strong and independent so you know, there's no messing around the kind of, you meet, you have a chat, you hopefully decide that you quite like each other, but at the end there's everybody pays for themselves and, and you're home by 10, you know, so <laughs> it's kind of a, yeah, I think it's uh it's quite a nice experience. I mean, I genuinely would say, and I hope it would be the same for the people that have dated me that I've really enjoyed. I think all my dates post separation, maybe one slightly less, but that was only because it was just unusual and um, there was nothing wrong with it. It was just, it was my least successful date, I suppose. You've got to have one, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, can we just explain what unusual is? I'm intrigued. What, how <laughs> is that unusual? Well, I've kind of given you an idea about what I'm like on a, on a first date. So fully transparent. Uh, I'll throw out a few cards of I'm not entirely sure where this will go or or I don't want to promise anything that I can't promise, that sort of thing. I, won't, I mean, I don't just completely monologue on that, but, you know, it'll come up in the conversation. And I, I said that to, to one lady and she just kind of, you could just see her sort of sitting back and going, okay, well, I don't really need any more friends. <laughs> and she, was, she was just, and I knew, I knew it was over and I'd blown it when she, um, she threw into the conversation, you know, Mark, you've probably never met anyone as wealthy as me. <laughs> I thought to myself, oh, I've blown this. But uh, if someone says that to you on their first date, you think to yourself, this is not somebody who's thinking of me as a prospect because <laughs> you would not say that to someone. I love also that you said to me in an email, your relatively short experience with dating has been like coming back to an old song. 
at a different stage in your life and hearing it in a new way. Wow, I must have had a couple of drinks before I wrote that. Um, <laughs> yeah, what I think I was getting at there is, and this is probably an experience of listening to songs at different stages in your life, but especially when you've got more time and probably a better quality stereo, you do hear them differently and you kind of go, oh, yeah, that's what that's about. You know, and you just, you know, you've spent years just listening to the, the melody or the chorus or something like that. And you actually listen to the lyrics for the first time and you go, wow, that's much more affecting than, than I kind of thought it would be. And, and the same with dating, the experience of just spending time with people, but who they've done their, their careers and they're, they're much more sure of themselves and much more, you know, just in a different stage in life. And you kind of think back to what dates were like when you were young and you were kind of hurrying through the whole thing to uh, uh, see what would happen before you blew it kind of thing. But, um, but now you do, you, you spend time, I think, listening to the person and kind of savoring it and listening to their experience. And it's, everyone's life is so interesting when you actually take time to listen to what they've got to say for themselves. So it's great. Especially at our age, and I know I said this uh, very early on in a podcast in Series 1, that, you know, dating at this age is fascinating but also complicated because we do all come with so much baggage. And I don't say the term baggage in a derogatory way, but, you know, we've got 40, 50 years of life experience. So when was the last time you dated? Were you in your early 20s before your marriage or was it late 20s? Yeah, so I arrived in Australia on the back of a relationship ending um, a five-year relationship, which was long at the time for me, and that was in 2001. Uh, I arrived as a single young Scottish male in Australia. I arrived, you know, in Sydney. I think my first weekend, I, went, I was invited to Randwick races, and I, I met some girl who was interested in talking to me. I thought, wow, I'd only been there 72 hours, and already, you know, I was meeting someone who was interested, and I was going, this is fantastic. And then cut to. <laughs> Like 10 weeks later, I met my um, the girl or the lady who became my wife, and that was kind of the end of it. And so that was my experience. I mean, I'd only – after before that, I would have been at university, and, you know, I don't know if you can count anything you do at university as dating. But, um, yeah, I, a serial long-term relationship person, and that's another reason why I'm very cautious about uh, meeting someone too soon, having done that last time. And, and I'll be saying it wasn't unsuccessful. It lasted 17 years, I think twice bitten, uh, a little bit more shy. And then one other thing that you said to me, which obviously really resonated with me and really meant a lot to me, is you said that you live so much of your post-married life through the wisdom you've gleaned from my podcast. So thank you. Why yeah. do you think the podcast resonates with you? Well, it's, it's definitely my – the fact that I've said already that I'm keen to experience – this i would call it experiencing the awkward right so you're cut loose you're late 40s you haven't really got very much experience of dating but some of the things that people say and you know you can disagree and agree with things but i think to myself you through listening to now all the episodes i think there's themes that come back and when you think about those kind of themes of the this is how long it takes and this is what people their experience. I think I, I really enjoyed the episode where the guy had, you know, gone through this scientific kind of algorithmic approach to dating to try and find his ideal match with no compromises. Listening to what people say and then experiencing dating and seeing if it feels and is the same as what people say. And frankly, so much of the time it is. So, I mean, I really do think anyone, anyone who is in that uh, initial phase of 
working out what to do um, with their post-marriage um, post-marriage existence. Definitely fantastic training course to go through, but all the episodes because it's picking up the themes and what means the most to you, I think, that makes a difference. I know you've been especially interested in the conversations we've had on the podcast about when people are ready to date again. And obviously that's something that really resonates with you. The expression, it's not you, it's me, really has a lot more meaning when yeah, you're free to dating after a long relationship, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, when you're when you're in your 20s and you say that to someone, it's just because you're ready to move on and you, you don't really mean it and it's, a, it's just a nice way of getting out. And it has become a cliche for that reason. But I think when you're, as you say, carrying a bit of baggage and you're also trying to be hopeful, but knowing that you're still in the early phases and tentatively reaching out into the world again, the fact is there's a lot more about what you take into the date that's what you're bringing than who the other person is. I mean, no matter how fun and interesting their life is and, and, and how much you laugh together and, and everything else, fundamentally, when you go home, you kind of go, how did that go? You know, and I remember my first date when I went, jumped in a taxi and almost had a panic attack <laughs> from the fact that I was, God, what was that like? You know, so for all the people that I've dated, uh, some of whom I have also told about the podcast, it genuinely is a case of all of them are, are wonderful people. But if you're not even, and some of them, one of them might even be the, the right person in the future. But if you're not quite at the stage of being even aware of properly how you feel because the numbness hasn't worn off. And that's unfortunately what I've kind of ended up realizing is that, and I'm not actively dating at the moment, and it's because I'm kind of taking a bit of a deep breath and going, okay, I've done a lot of dating. I've experienced it. Now I do need to do some assessment about that and kind of you know, run the health check kind of thing. And how did, how do I really feel? And when, when will I feel that it's not dishonest to just keep doing that? Because I don't want to just rinse and repeat exactly that experience. I think I want to be a little bit more open for the next lot or the next one. What are the biggest mistakes you've made? Mm, on a date or? or um, In the whole dating process. You have mentioned and you've talked to your guests about older guys looking for younger women. And you've got to say that, it's a temptation, right? When you when you start and you set the age profiles and things like that in a, in a dating app, you know, because young young women look pretty, and you think to yourself, you know, could I maybe? Would that be a good idea? Um, everyone's talking about it. I should I should think about that. And I have to say that there's just something really awkward about having a date with someone who's a lot younger than you. It's just. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not an exp I mean, if you're feeling uh, self-conscious anyway, triple that if you're having a date with someone younger than you, because it just, that that's when you have the panic attack because you just think, you know, I'm just so out of my, out of my uh, comfort zone in this situation. And I think you do bring, you know, even if you've got, even if you're different stages and you're different uh, lengths of time since you've separated or you haven't separated, you just bring that kind of level of, same worldliness and and the old songs mean the same right so those songs that meant the same to you well you know if you're going out with someone who's 30 it doesn't mean the same to them and they're listening to something <laughs> so do you think the majority of men who date younger women for them is it really just a focus on the physical aspect um i think it's uh, it's probably a number of things so that's i'm sure that's one 
as in many ways as well, I think it's kind of a, and the reason I probably did it was I thought this will be consequence free at least. And at least it will have got that itch out of the way that I've done it. And I'll know if it was a good idea or not. It probably isn't. And I just want to make sure. And I, found it immediately that it wasn't, you know, so it's like, um, good, but at least I've scratched that itch, you know, it's kind of, that's done. Other, you know, the dates I've had with people my own age have been much more likely to have chemistry. And the dates I had with people who were younger, there was like zero chemistry. With this concept of men feeling like they need to date younger women to scratch an itch. Wow, I've never heard it described like that before. That's a fascinating insight into a man's way of thinking. It's like try everything once, I suppose. And I, I didn't do a lot of dating, as I said, when I was younger. So I kind of thought, well, rather than rather than specifically looking for younger women, I just set the, the age range. If anybody wants the benefit of my experience, I think, yeah, stick within the five years either way and you're much more likely to have a, a good time. Okay, time to let you in on one of my juicy little bedroom secrets. My new obsession in bed is... My at last pillow. (laughs) The clever design of this pillow gives you the perfect amount of comfort and support. Regardless of whether you prefer it hard, soft, fluffy, firm, high, low, it doesn't matter if you're a back, side or tummy sleeper, this pillow is fully adjustable so you can have a better night's sleep and wake up feeling more refreshed. And honestly, who doesn't want that? You can check it out online at etiennehome.com.au. Now that is spelt etienne, E-T-I-E-N-N-E, home.com.au. And when you order, use the special code SAMI, S-A-M-I, for a great discount while stocks last. Do you know what? A pillow should kind of be like the perfect partner in bed that just doesn't annoy the heck out of you. And I'm so glad I found it at last. We've spoken quite a bit on the podcast about men not being ready to date. Do you find in your experience dating women, you meet a lot of women who are not ready? Hmm. No, I actually haven't. I think, and this could be to do with, again, behavioral thing again just to mention i've heard research that says you know if it's tinder for example that men swipe right all the time and and women will only swipe right if they've really looked and really think that the person's like a prospect and i think it's probably the same for themselves they really think about themselves before they go and date and and i think based on my only my limited experience all of the women that i've met were ready for attachment with the right person And definitely they weren't in that kind of dizzier headspace, I suppose, that I'd maybe represent myself in, where you don't know, but if you were being honest with yourself, you're pretty uncertain as you go into the date that that you're really ready for it or for any sort of long-term commitment. I mean, I'm still, I think, quite good company on a date. Uh, And um, and I've been told this a number of times. Most people have that I've dated have said, you know, I had so many bad dates and it's really unusual for me to have a second date, almost like a unicorn to have a third date. And, and here I am on my fourth date with you. So this is where you get into that. Why is that woman having a, a fifth date or a sixth date? It's because she's beginning to feel like you're a, a real prospect for a proper relationship where you're going to see each other a lot more and spend more time with each other, maybe do the thing where you introduce kids to each other and that sort of stuff. And in my experience, I'm still at the stage where once a fortnight's okay, because it's always a fortnight because of, you know, 
kid sharing and things like that. <laughs> but, um, companionship, a casual sort of companionship, not necessarily another full-on relationship. Yeah, and kind of boundaries around that as well. And they're for safety. They're for like, you know, it's like having, I think, you know, that's what you talk about. It's the, the L plates or the P plates. You, you want to make sure everyone's worn so you, you have your um, your verbal P plate that tells everybody, yeah, I'd like to catch up again, but let's not catch up all the time and, and you know, let's not move this too quickly. And, and I think it's just about don't drive too fast when you don't know what you're doing. When you've got your L plates on. But there's the psychology behind it that says if you know even before date one that you're not looking for a serious relationship, why are you going on four dates with her? Is that not giving her a sense that this is going somewhere and that you might be quite interested in her? I mean, do you worry that you're wasting her time? Yeah. Um, yes. And that is why somewhere around the seventh or eighth date so far I've – ended up in a situation where we've had a frank conversation, not an unpleasant conversation, but a frank conversation that kind of says, yeah, this is, um, this has been good. Let's, you know, as, and, and genuinely let's stay friends. And I'm still in contact with everyone, as I've said, that I've dated, which is starting to get a little bit complicated now because it's just, you, you accumulate a serial friender. And that's where that sort of seventh or eighth date becomes the kind of, uh, I suppose, dropping off point for me so far. But you don't get to the stage where you're going to be in a in a longer thing until you've worked out, you know, am I comfortable with more and when will I be comfortable with more? And I, and I, I think as long as you're talking about it and not hiding it, you don't want to go all silent, right? If you go silent and moody, that's, that's a bad stage. But if you just talk about this is where I want to be, this is what I'm doing, you probably throw into the conversation just a few uh, careful caveats about not getting too fast, too far. And then I, I've found that the women that I've dated have been very direct and very clear in saying, okay, I think based on where you are now, this is probably run its course. Do you agree? And I say, yeah. Where do you factor sex into this? Uh, where does the sex come in? Yeah, how do you factor sex into this? Is it like you go on a few dates with them, you have sex with them, and then you go, actually, I don't want to get serious? You know, there are a lot of men who do that, and once they've had sex, they disappear or they ghost. And it's happened to a lot of women I know, and you're left feeling used and discarded, and, oh, God, he only wanted one thing. He was never interested in me in the first place. Once he got the sex, he was gone. So, Again, the first thing is the order that it happens in, right? You don't tell someone you're not that interested after you've had sex, <laughs> because uh, you don't you don't come out with the confessions about your um, stage and, and mental state uh, at that point. I think, but as long as you say something before you go in, um, then I don't think there's any risk of someone feeling used or or upset or anything. There's not a stage where I've found that a woman needs to think you're a marriage prospect before the actual act of intimacy is still something that, that you can both enjoy. The dates that I've been on, I think they've all, when they've got that far, they've run their course, but not in a way that anyone felt like they'd been, as you say, used or not not kept informed or, or anything. I think it's just been, if it happens, it happens. And then you talk about it beforehand and you you don't use that opportunity to kind of take advantage of somebody. Mm. Exactly. Well, I wish all men thought about that. You know what? We're very good at not really hearing what people tell us. 
you've got to really listen. You've got to see the red flags. You've got to confront them and you have to be realistic. So I'm sure there's, you know, a lot of women maybe in a situation with you where you're telling them, I don't want anything serious. I'm new at this. I'm really, I've still got my L plates on, but then you keep dating them. Then you sex with them. And even though you've told them up front, you don't want anything serious. You know, some women can read that or men or women could read that as actually he is really into me. So I'll hang in there because I think maybe he doesn't realise that I'm the right one for him. Yeah, no, that's a, I mean, that's a risk, right? So um, much as everything I've said, there's hearing what you want to hear and then there's really listening. In in that, it lies all the breakdowns in any relationship, uh, whatever stage it's at, right, is not really listening and not really hearing and not trusting and also respecting. And if you're too self-centred, you're only going to hear what you want to hear, right? So you've, if, you're, if you're running a, a process where you're going to date, knowing that you're doing it as someone who's still recovering from a much more uh, affecting relationship and, and you're probably not ready for, for a long-term thing, there is a danger that you're only listening to yourself and only thinking about yourself. And, uh, and even if you're being um, as direct as you can be, if you don't say it enough and you keep going on the same date with the same person, yeah, you will get into a, a difficult situation. So what I've been, I suppose, lucky with is that the women I've dated have been, you know, had the presence of mind, the independence and the intelligence to raise that question and ask the question and kind of go, you know, am I right? Is this what's happening? And this is as far as this is going to go. And I go, yeah, at the moment, that's probably as far as it's going to go. And they say, okay. I think both parties need to take responsibility for it. You need to be aware of your own readiness to date, but you also really need to listen to the person you're on the date with, really hear what they're telling you. But I'm making it sound so analytical and so like, I've had really good time on all my dates and I think all my dates have had a really good time in the dates that we've had as well. I mean, and we've got to know each other and we've become friends, you know, I mean, in every case we've become friends. So and we, we share um, humor and, and laugh about stuff. And, you know, we, we're genuinely in an experience that is a rewarding and valuable experience. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, we talk about not being ready to date, but I'm a hell of a lot more ready to date than I was when I had my first date, you know. And that idea that when, when can you define that you're actually ready to date and, and no, unless you're actually trying it out and meeting people. So you'll only really know how to ride a bike when you uh, keep keep having a go and keep falling off and eventually you go. Mm. I know, but when there's someone else's emotions involved, you know, maybe you shouldn't really be on the bike. Maybe you're a danger. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. Maybe after speaking to you today, I feel like would you describe yourself as a work in progress? Yeah, I mean, a work in progress, but progressing quickly. And, and I hope in that, you know, people say that uh, it's not about the goal, it's about the journey, you know, experience the journey and enjoy the journey um, because you don't know if you'll ever get to the goal. I think if you do, and it's almost like a, a mindfulness thing, if you do genuinely spend time being honest, being honest with yourself and going through the journey, again, I'm doing it as a hopeful unromantic, just hoping that something does come of it that is meaningful and and we all want companionship and to find the right thing at the right time but i i think that the journey is just as important but do you know what you're looking for i i think in my current frame of mind i suspect i won't get married again i don't i mean i think marriage is a very useful institution and a great way to provide a stable basis for having kids but i've got kids and i don't plan on having any more 
Now, for me, I value my independence and the independence of whoever my partner is going to be. And I think that we as presumably two uh, 40 to 50 year old type people who whenever this actually happens will be um, much better served by uh, respecting our individuality and, and going into that phase three of life with uh, a little bit more separation not not completely but just just enough that you've got your space and because let's face it we all get a little bit uh, set in our ways in our old age don't we Mm-hmm. Middle age, thanks, not old age. So I hope that, you know, when you get back out there, when you decide to jump on the apps again, you continue to experience the awkward, as you mentioned to me earlier. But here's a little tip for your Bumble profile. Surely you've done this already. I know you can't have the audio of your accent, but surely your profile photo is you in a kilt. Oh, what a glaring error. I know. I mean, what am I doing? I'm playing on this Scottish thing and not even doing it properly. Um, no, it's not me in a kilt. But what I will say is I spent so long on any of these apps just listening to crickets because there was no interest in me at all uh, with, based on my selfie photos. And then I finally got, didn't actually pay, but I got someone who knows what they're doing to take a professional style photo, a portrait of me. And a practical piece of advice to anyone out there, and it's not so much important for the females who will obviously get swiped on anyway, but for the guys out there, have a decent photo of yourself with kind of portrait lighting and what a difference it makes. I reckon there's like a a 3,000% uptick in activity. Thank you so much. It just sounds like you've had a an amazing journey of self-discovery and I just appreciate as I know our listeners will that you have taken the time to come and share that and be so self-aware and so open and vulnerable today on the podcast so Mark thank you so much for joining me and I really hope you find what you're looking for thanks Amy This podcast is produced by me, Sammy Lucas. Audio director is the incredibly talented Robbie Wood. You can find out more about me, this podcast, or my book, Romantically Challenged, on my website, sammylucas.com.